Good morning, Parkway family. I hope you all are having a great morning so far. I'm excited you're joining us this morning. My name's Jamie. If you haven't already, say hi in the comments below. We'd love to say hi back to you and just know who's joining us this morning. Service is gonna start here in just a few minutes. The worship and media teams are finishing up getting ready. So now is a perfect opportunity for you to send us your selfies. Nope, I'm serious. You're getting to see us and you'll see us even more here in just a minute during Parkway Live. So we would love to see you, what you were up to this last week or what you're up to this morning as you prepare for worship. So whether you post them on your social media pages or on ours, just be sure to use that hashtag, People of Parkway. If you're new with us or if you just wanna get in touch with the staff or any of our leaders or any of us at all, you're still in luck because our connect cards are still digital. You can use it also for prayer requests or praise reports. Just go to our Parkway app and you'll find it there. Or we'll also be posting links to that below here soon as Parkway Live starts. We'd also want to encourage you for your prayer requests to post them while Parkway Live is happening. We'd love to rally around you and pray with you in the moment during worship. If you want our digital bulletin or sermon notes or care group discussion questions so you can keep these conversations going long after Parkway Live is done, you'll also find links to those here soon that we'll be posting for you to find. And you can also find those in our Parkway app as well. Well, thanks again for being with us here this morning. Our worship will be starting here in just a few minutes. So go top off your coffee, Get your dancing shoes ready. Get ready to lift Jesus' name high this morning. I'll be singing along with you from my home, so I hope you're singing loud and ready for worship yourself this morning. I'll see you at the end.
Parkway family, good to see you again. In case you didn't know that, we installed a new technological device. We're actually looking at all of you. No, we're not. But anyway, <laughs> we're glad to be able to connect as best we can in the middle of all of this. And we want to take some time this morning and, and truly honor the Lord for who He is and what He's done in our lives to recognize that this wasn't a surprise to Him. He's not caught off guard. There's a whole lot of things that He talks to us about in terms of how we live our life as citizens of heaven on this planet. And I think one of the things we need to be careful of is that we don't catch something other than just COVID-19. We don't want to catch the, the anger and the frustration. We don't want to catch the fear and the anxiety that is permeating our culture. We want heaven to give us a vaccine against all of those kinds of things that are so negative and destructive in people's lives. So while we're concerned about those health issues, we've got some pretty significant spiritual, mental, emotional issues that we're concerned about as well. And this morning, we're going to try to push past all of the debate and all of the argument and all of the craziness that's going on around us and reconnect with the God of heaven who gives us stability and security in the middle of all of the stuff that's going on. So here's the deal. You need to set the coffee cup down. You need to get your feet off the coffee table. You need to get up because we're going to sing, and everybody sings better when you're standing up. So come on, this is your chance to do it. And don't tell me you don't sing well. There's nobody there to hear you. It says make a joyful noise. Go for it. And I, well, I mean, if your neighbor reports you, we'll, we'll bail you out, okay? So come on, get up. Let's be a part of this thing. Father, we thank you for who you are and what you have done on our lives. And I thank you, God, that we don't have to buy into all of the political debate because that seems more important now than even the health debate. And we don't have to get caught up in that and we don't have to become fearful and we don't have to become angry and we don't have to become frustrated. We don't have to go there. <laughs> As one guy said, we don't have to drive around in our own car by ourselves with a mask on for crying out loud, God's out there someplace. He's going to help take care of us. You, God, can set us free from a lot of the stuff that's going on all around us. And so, God, I just pray that you would help us this morning to connect with you, scattered as we are, and yet connected through the Spirit. Paul wrote to the church and he said, when you are gathered together and I am there with you in spirit, he understood that he was still gathered with that church even when he was in another town. Father, I thank you that we are gathered, we are connected in the spirit, and I pray, God, that this morning something exciting would happen in our lives. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Are you up? You got the coffee down? Come on, let's go. Like the morning, this I know. 
But your grace is enough, and your promise never breaking. I give my song to you for all of your goodness. It's like a well running over. Oh, my soul, it sings for you for all of your goodness. I will love you forever, and all my songs I sing for you. Yes, all my songs I sing for you. There's a hope in my heart. Oh
verse again? You give life. You give life. You are love. You bring life to this darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. God, I pray for each and every family listening this morning, Lord Jesus. God, and I pray specifically for those, God, that are in a place of um, of difficulty right now, a place of trial, Lord God, and those that don't believe that their current situation can be restored. God, I pray against those words. God, I pray against the, um, the thoughts that the enemy is placing in their heads. Lord God, and I declare this morning that you will give hope. God, that you will restore every life, every heart that is broken. God, we believe that you have the power to restore, that you have the power to heal. God, I just declare that this morning. I declare your restoration in every life, every family, every heart that is broken. It's running after me. 
Paul tells us that we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. And just before we pray, I think it's important for us to just put this out there. I I want you to be careful of the trap of being put in a place of asking questions of enough. Satan uses that for fear and anxiety, and he uses it for accusation. Let me show you on the accusation side. Have you prayed enough today? Have you read enough of your Bible today? When you begin to ask those kinds of questions, you lock yourself into places of accusation. Have you spent enough time with your kids today? It's never enough. When can you, when can you ever say, I did it enough? I prayed enough. I, I did enough good deeds. I spent enough time with my kids. Satan loves to put you in that place. He's the accuser of the brethren. He loves to put you in that place where he can accuse you by asking those questions. I want you to also know that he can use those same kinds of questions to put you in a place where fear and anxiety happens. When have you stayed locked up in your home enough? When have you taken enough measures to sanitize everything in your world? When is it enough? He will take you to places of fear why? Because he is, he is that roaring lion. He is that one who seeks to intimidate, who tra- tries to bring fear. And one of the ways he does that is he introduces those thoughts of enough. 
Because no matter what you do, no matter what safety measures you take, no matter what you do to try to protect yourself, there will always be a point at which sometime you have to open the door and go outside. And at that moment, have you done enough? Have you done enough? Have you done enough? You'll drive your life through fear. And certainly on the other side of it is, hey, you can't sit down. You can't rest because you haven't spent enough time praying. You haven't spent enough time helping your neighbors. You haven't spent enough time with your kids. Fear, accusation, and it comes through this idea of enough, and it permeates so much of what we're reading in all these news stories. Have we done enough? Have we done enough? Have we done enough? I want you to be able to let the Spirit of God set you free from that. Jesus doesn't ask us to live our life through fear and accusation of always wondering whether it's enough. He asks us to live in a place of obedience that gives me comfort and security. It says, if God said I should go and do this, I don't have to worry about enough. I just go and do. I am a faithful servant, not a person caught in the trap of fear and accusation. Find a way through the Spirit of God to set yourself free. He is a good, good father. He has been a father to us. We've known him as a father. We've known him as a friend. He gives us hope. All those things we were singing about, you need to come in contact with those things again because these other voices of enough are screaming fear and accusation at us. We need to be free of that. So, Father, I thank you that we are not ignorant of the devices, the schemes, the well-planned, thought-out attacks on our thoughts and our emotions that the enemy has. We're not unaware of those. And we can recognize those and go, oh yeah, I know where that comes from. Even if I don't recognize the voice, even I haven't yet identified who it is that's bringing that thought, if it's in those categories, I know who it's from. I'm not ignorant of Satan's devices. And that we are called to live as free sons and daughters of God free from anxiety, free from accusation. You have called us to a better place. And we thank you for that. And so, Father, I pray that you would set your people free from the voice of the accuser of the brethren, from the voice and the roaring of the lion of intimidation and fear. Set us free from those things, I pray. Amen. 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 Hey, thanks for worshiping with us. I know a couple of you at least got up and gave it your best shot, so I appreciate that. We, we announced last week that uh, we're not going to be reopening the old Parkway Christian Center, but we'll be opening a new Parkway Christian Center. I, I, was, I was all for changing the name, but uh, the cost of that is just like phenomenal. So we're going to call it the same name, but it's not going to be the same place. I, I've got to tell you there's several motivations behind what we're doing and, and kind of how we want to do them. Part of it is motivated because we are attempting as best we can to comply with the regulations. I have to tell you that's a bit of a frustrating prospect in the sense that the regulations seem to be shifting and adjusting and changing all the time, and which means you can't plan. Uh, and for us to open, we have to plan. And so uh, we simply said, here are the regulations that were handed out by the state. These are the deadlines and the opening dates that they put in place. We're going to put together a reopening plan based on that. And so we've done that. We've actually submitted our plan in writing to the county commissioners and to the Department of Public Health. Um, I know they got it because I hand-delivered it, um, and they acknowledged that they received it. We haven't heard anything back, but um, they, have, they have received that. So we are trying to comply with those things. I think another consideration, obviously, is the fact that people are going to have a certain level of apprehension. Um, they, they don't have it at Home Depot, but I know they'll probably have it when they come to church. And so uh, we're trying to recognize that apprehension and respond to that. 
But mostly the reason that we are not just going back to the way we did church, but we are literally opening a new church is because we have the conviction that this was the first and not the last time that this kind of an event will happen. So whether it's COVID-19 resurgence number two or COVID-19 resurgence number three, I've read about all of those so far, uh, or if it's the monkey flu out of Brazil, or whether it is a major forest fire, or whether it is a big earthquake, something's going to happen. And because we have found that it is easy to get people to comply with these kinds of regulations and suspend constitutional rights and those kinds of things. We've experimented with it, and we found out that people will go along with it. The next time something happens, we will immediately jump to the kinds of regulations that we have already seen put in place. We, we say that because if history is any teacher, that is what has happened historically in cultures and governments and countries around the world throughout history. We also say that because if what we read in the book of Revelation is actually true and not just a suggestion, it will happen again. And when it happens again, we need to be ready to respond. We need to be ready to respond immediately. We need to be able to respond in a way that says, hey, we are connected if they say you can't show up in that building together, we are immediately connected. And we've been every week updating electronic things so that we can stay connected as a congregation. We also are going to encourage you and speak lots, lots, lots in the next few months about you being involved in a group of people that meets throughout the week in someone's home. Because when they shut it down again publicly, the underground church has to stay alive. And you need to be connected to that group of people, not just the big group only. And so we're going to be talking about those kinds of things. So in our new church, there are going to be some very obvious changes. We are going to go from a single large gathering to a 9 a.m. on campus, an 11 a.m. on campus, and an 11 a.m. online. Those will be the three services that we have. The online uh, presence is going to be much more enhanced uh, than it's ever been before, and we're going to try to interact with those of you that need to connect with us online. As part of our new church experience, as I said, we have to provide the means by which we can stay connected electronically as members of this church. We have to be able to stay connected, because when it happens again, and we lose the physical, oh yeah, I saw you connection, we have to be able to find a way to stay connected. One of the ways that uh, we can use this enhanced connection, and it's, it should be rolling out this week, I believe, uh, we've got the, the, the measures in place to do that, is that one of the first things we're going to ask you to do is to register and tell us which service you're going to be a part of. Because uh, it doesn't do any good to have a, have a service at 9 on campus, a service at 11 on campus, and a service at 11 online, and have everybody try to go to the same one. Uh, that, that defeats uh, some of the, the measures that we're taking. So we kind of need to divide ourselves up a little bit. And uh, so some of you would, would maybe need to be flexible because you're going, I always go to church at 10. Um, well, I mean, I guess you could. You'd get the last half of the first service and the first half of the second service or something. I don't know how that would work exactly. But uh, we're, we're just going to have to be flexible on this. And I would, I would like to, to, to tell you that we, we probably have enough people who've signed up to be watchers and spectators. 
What we are looking for now are the pioneers, the entrepreneurs, the risk takers, the people that love to do new things and love to make things happen, who like to be on the ground floor of making a difference and seeing things build and grow right in front of them that they've been able to participate in. We're looking for those kind of people to help us with this new church. And I would love to offer to you this concept that says, attend one, serve one. One of the advantages of this multi-service schedule is that it allows you to volunteer to, to, you know, to work in the preschool or to help in some other ministry with youth or some other thing. It allows you to say, hey, at the 9 o'clock service I serve and in the 11 o'clock service I attend. Or I attend at the 9 o'clock service, but I serve at the 11 o'clock service. It gives you an opportunity to do that. And I want to encourage you to begin to think in terms of attend one, serve one. To say, I get to go and enjoy a service because there are people who are working to make that service happen. And when my service is done, I'm going to go do the work that allows other people to have the same experience that I had. So we're looking for the people that will help and will volunteer with that. I would like for you to think in terms of committing for like six months and say, yeah, I can volunteer, I can do this, I can be involved in these ways, and I can do that for six months. It's not a for the rest of your life thing. We don't know how all of this is going to play out, but for six months, if we could kind of lock in and commit ourselves, it would really help us move forward as we open up our new church. Well, it's still got the same name, but we'll come up with something. Somebody said Parkway Christian Center 2.0. Uh, But as we open it up, I I want us to think in that way. There's an opportunity for you to get online and begin this process and and to be able to volunteer. And so we have a video, just a short video, that talks a little bit about how that all happens. And so I I want you just to take a look at this and, and kind of maybe find some direction out of that. you have been ready and available to serve in multiple ways the last two months. We love that about you. We are preparing for when it's time to reopen our doors. Something new is starting and new doesn't work without you. So how are you going to be a part of the new Parkway? Let us know at parkwaycc.com slash peopleofparkway. We're here. We're back. You guys are already back. I'm still trying to find what I'm talking about on here somewhere. I'm going to get to it in a minute. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. We had an announcement video, but the announcement video wasn't as long as I am slow. So that's how that works. (laughs) So we've been talking for some time uh, over the last few weeks about just kind of things related to the whole virus deal. And uh, we want to kind of switch up. So I've got a couple of boards up here to remind us of a couple of things. So this one over here is the whole attend one, serve one. If you didn't see the address, parkwaycc.com forward slash people of Parkway, that's where you can go and you can sign up to be a part of things. Because some of you already last week, we weren't even ready for it. And you were going, hey, I want to help. I want to do this. 
this is your opportunity to go online to do that. And just a reminder, it's 9 a.m. on campus, 11 a.m. on campus, and 11 a.m. online. So we want you just to see that and, and to, to uh, you know, remember to, to, to sign up. So during this time when we've been, we've been stuck at home, um, one of the things that happens is that, that maybe it's gotten a little tough to spend that much time with people that you really do like. It's not that you don't like them. It's just, you know, a little space sometimes is good for some relationships. <laughs> Jeanette and I were, were talking, and, and she just looked at me the other day. She said, are, are we just getting a little snarkier than we used to be? <laughs> so, yeah, probably. <laughs> just because of, the, the, you know, the frustration of it, the change of schedule, the stuff that's going on. So we're going to jump back and begin to talk about relationships again. We had talked about them before, and, and we want to get in and talk about them again. What I want to talk about today is, is about this issue of reconciliation, and it builds off of the concepts of forgiveness. So that was a long time ago, but the sermons are online. They are posted there. You can go and find those if you want to look, about, look back and see that. But reconciliation is kind of the next step. So I'm going to tell you, for those of you, again, that are just sitting there with a coffee cup and your feet up in your slippers, um, you're going to need something to take notes on. So, so grab your iPad or, or grab a piece of paper and a pen or something because you're going to need to take notes because we're going to go really, really fast. We're not going to turn this into a series, but it is going to take us a little time to cover all of the issues that are happening. What we need to recognize is that reconciliation is the optional next step after forgiveness. Um, in, in Celebrate Recovery, we talk about making amends. And in that atmosphere, we talk about that we make amends and then we seek out some sort of reconciliation or restoration of that relationship when it's possible, because sometimes it's not possible, the person is gone or dead or whatever has happened. Or the other caveat is that we would avoid that when it would be harmful either to the other person or to ourselves to do that. Reconciliation is not something you have to do. Forgiveness is commanded of us. We are to forgive as we have been forgiven. Reconciliation is what we hope for. It doesn't always happen. It is distinctly different from forgiveness. And, and I can't say it enough, but I don't have enough time to say it as many times as I need to say it. You've got to clearly, clearly delineate in your thinking. Forgiveness is over here reconciliation is over here. They are related, but they are not the same. And reconciliation is not required for me to have forgiven someone. You have to make that separation. Obviously, you know, you can, you can forgive people that are, that are dead. You can forgive people that you're never going to see again because they've moved to some far-off place. Forgiveness is completely on your side. It's what you choose to do. It's how you choose to reframe your heart and your mind and your thinking through the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Forgiveness is something that you do totally on your own. Reconciliation is very different from that. It involves the other person. So... Looking at this idea of how do we do this, there's one thing that we need to talk about quickly as one just little piece of introduction here is this whole concept of boundaries that we want to reconcile when it is safe to do so. Sometimes it's not safe. There, Sometimes we get involved with people whose behavior is not going to change. Their behavior is dangerous. We separate ourselves from that person and we forgive them, but we choose not to re-engage with them because of that dangerous behavior. But I want you to understand something about this whole concept of boundaries as it was presented to us really originally through some Christian psychologists. 
that boundaries are not something that you inflict on someone else as a form of punishment or that you inflict on them because you see them as as a threat and they somehow have to be labeled as that. Boundaries have to do with my weaknesses. There are people and situations that I don't handle well and I need to have some boundaries, not because of the other person's behavior, but because of my weakness. It's got to say, Weber, you're not good at those. You're not good in that situation. You're not good in that relationship. You need to establish some boundaries so that you can control your own behavior and your own mouth, not I'm going to create boundaries so I can control their behavior and their mouth. Do you see that difference? Shake your head at the TV. It's a distinct difference, but it is a completely different process. When I recognize that boundaries are to help with my weaknesses, then I am not passing judgment onto the other person. I'm still able to extend to them grace and kindness and mercy, but I'm able to restrict myself from what I'm not good at handling. Instead of saying, I'm going to use the concept of boundaries to put you in some sort of emotional, relational jail. You see, okay, I'm hoping you saw that because we have to move on. It might be easiest for us to understand this concept of of reconciliation as the idea of building a bridge. Uh, Forgiveness is how you clear the bank on your side of the river, and it's absolutely required. You cannot involve yourself in reconciliation until you've involved yourself in some sort of process of forgiveness. Otherwise, it won't happen. But you cannot clear the bank on the other person's side of the river, and you cannot build their half of the bridge. So I have this lovely modern art little picture over here to the side, and, it, and, it, and it's, it's to try to help you grasp the concept. So here we have on this side of the river, here's the bank, here's the river in the middle, and over here we have another bank. On this side of the bank, All kinds of vegetation and stuff is growing. This is the unforgiveness stuff. This is the anger stuff. This is the, I deserve justice. I I deserve to have everybody acknowledge that I was the victim, and they need to all join me and be a part of my team and, and talk about how bad and ugly and horrible that other person was. This is all the stuff that grows because of unforgiveness. You will never build a bridge of reconciliation with someone until you clear the bank of all of that unforgiveness stuff so that you can start to build the bridge. So on this side, we have someone who is forgiven. They've cleared the bank of all of that unforgiveness stuff. Now they have a foundation by which they can begin to build and say, let's talk about reconciliation. But I want you to understand that as you start to build out the blocks of of building a relationship back with this person, we're going to build this bridge that's going to reach over here. You can't build this side of it. This is their responsibility. You can't force them to be reconciled. You can't force them to do things. You can simply start to lay the blocks that allow for a bridge to be rebuilt. And I think it should be fairly obvious that the reason this bridge can't be built with any sort of success, if you don't clear off the vegetation over here that is all of the unforgiveness issues, is that if this person is still hot and angry and defensive and is playing the victim and doing whatever they're doing over here, and this person's doing the same thing, when they do get a bridge built, all they're going to do is meet in the middle and kill each other. What's got to happen is that both sides have to get rid of all of this so that when they meet in the middle, they can actually reconcile. 
So when we talk about reconciliation, we're going to be talking about the process by which you build your half of the bridge. The first step is forgiveness. We already did those teachings. Go back and find them online and look at that. But the rest of this has to do with the things that you can do to build the bridge. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul talks about the Christian life in general, and he says, all of this is from God, this whole life that we have. It is from God, who did what? He reconciled us to himself through Christ. When Jesus came and died on the cross, he cleared away all the vegetation on his side of the bank. And that cross is the bridge that reaches out to us. But if you insist on staying on this side of the bank, never exercising faith, never becoming obedient, if you don't begin to build from your side, you can't even reconcile it with God, even though he's laid it all out for you. God has reconciled us to himself through Christ. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation, right? We're inviting other people. Hey, God did some amazing things for you. You should be reconciled with God. Because God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ. He is not counting men's sins against them. This is the clearing of the bank. If you're still counting sins against people, if you're still holding it over them, if you're still thinking about it, if you're still talking about it, if you're still trying to convince other people, hey, be on my team and don't like them because they're so mean to me. I'm the poor victim here. If you're still counting people's sins against them, you can never reconcile. Because as soon as you get together, you will bring up all of your hurts and offenses. That's why Paul tells us in Corinthians that love keeps no record of wrongs. If you're still keeping record of wrongs, don't try to reconcile. It's never going to happen. All you're going to do is hurt that other person. Because they're going to come across that bridge saying, oh, I thought we were going to work this out. I thought we were getting together when we apologized. I thought it was sincere. Oh, no, I found out that when I opened myself up, this person just wanted to slam me again because they were keeping a record of wrongs. Reconciliation requires that forgiveness to be able to move forward. So as with forgiveness, and we talked about the five steps that you can work in, the, in that acrostic of reach, when you reach for forgiveness... We talked about the fact that there were steps that you, can, that you can take. The difference with reconciliation, as we're trying to illustrate here, is that with reconciliation, you have to take steps, but the other person has to take steps. You can't control this process. You can't force it to happen. You can't make it happen. You can't control it in any way. You can only control yourself. The other person has to choose to engage as well. And this time, it's way more difficult because forgiveness was just up to you. You sat down, looked in the mirror, talked to God, and said, God, we need to clear this up. I need to get past this negative situation. I need to get rid of these negative emotions. I choose to forgive. Totally on your own. Now you've got another person involved, which means this process is way harder than the one of forgiveness where we simply settle our issues with God. we got two people involved now, and it's going to make it more difficult. That's why Paul writes to us in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, not the other person. I extended reconciliation to someone who said, well, yeah, if you can get unnamed people to quit doing unspecified things, then you and I can be friends. It's like, whoa, 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 that's not up to me. Can't control people, can't control what those people are doing, can't control what they think or how they treat you. I'm offering to say, I want to reconcile as far as it is possible for me. 
If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You're not going to be able to live at peace with everyone because some people don't want peace. They want struggle. They want strife. They want to be able to be the victim. They want to be able to be angry. They want to be able to blame things on people. They are choosing to keep a record of wrongs, and they live over here in the jungle mess of unforgiveness. You can't live at peace with that person. It's not possible. Not because you don't want to, because they are incapable of living at peace. Now, I, I, I've seen people that have kind of strung one of those, those, like a zip line, you know, from their side to the other and said, well, we don't have a bridge and we don't really have a relationship, but every once in a while I just suck it up, I get on the zip line and I go over to their side of the river and I try it one more time, and then when I get there, uh, it all blows up and I have to swim back across the river and start all over again. So it's not that you can't have a relationship, you just can't have a productive relationship if that person chooses not to be a part of what's going on. So there's some complexities here, and we're going to acknowledge there's some complexities, but we're going to have to work on it. So let me talk about how you build your, your side of the bridge. So the first thing over here is you have to decide. This is the cool thing is they all start with D, right? That's one of the things they teach you in Bible college. You're supposed to have these little alliteration things. You have to decide whether or not you're going to reconcile. Again, reconciliation requires that both parties be forgiving. It requires that both parties want to reconcile. Sometimes they don't want to reconcile. And we have to acknowledge the fact that both parties have probably been offended in some ways. I mean, when, when, when the whole thing goes down and it goes wrong, we tend to see it from our side and go, I'm the offended party here and they're the bad person. Well, you need to acknowledge the fact that the person on the other side is going, I don't like how this happened either, and it's their fault. There's, both parties have issues here. One of the things you have to give up is the high ground that says, I'm the morally superior victim here, and that person is scum. You have to give that position up and acknowledge that some of the things you said and did were just as hurtful as anything they said or did to you. There's, there's a two-way street. And, and I realize that's not a 50-50 equation. There are abuse situations and, and those kinds of things where we, we very definitely have a perpetrator versus the one who was victimized. But in most of our human relationships, it's not that cut and dried. There's offenses on both sides. So everybody has to say, I would choose to put the relationship higher than this event. The relationship higher than the event. And that's, that's one of the things that hopefully you learn pretty early on in marriage. At some point, you decide the marriage is more important than winning every argument. And there's sometimes when you're absolutely convinced you're right and you don't force your opinion because the marriage is more important than your opinion and winning the argument. You just decide what's important. And so when it comes to this, you have to decide that you're going to reconcile. Again, I, I, I just think it's important to insert it's not always safe to reconcile. There are people you should not reconcile. If the cause of the hurt and the pain between you was because of bad behavior on their part, as in like situations of abuse, if they are unrepentant, if they are not willing to change their behavior, if they're saying, yeah, let's build a bridge and get together because I'd love to abuse you again, if they haven't changed, you should not build a bridge in their direction. That should not happen. 
But in most of our relationships, it's usually not that cut and dried. Things were said, things happened, things were misunderstood, things got out of hand, and now we have this situation where we have two reasonable people, hopefully, that are saying, ah, our relationship needs help, we have to work on it. There has to be a a, a willingness to do this. And and again, going back to that issue of boundaries, that any time you choose to reconcile, you have to take the risk. There has to be a willingness to be hurt again, but there also should not be the certainty of being hurt again. So if there is certainty, if there is abuse and there is danger involved, if there is a certainty of being hurt again, you should never attempt to reconcile. But you need to understand that every attempt at reconciliation is to build a bridge of connection with someone who will then have the opportunity, if they so choose, to hurt you again. You have to be willing to risk. But you have to be willing to risk to have any relationship, right? And if you decide to not have any relationship so that you can avoid all risk, you end up being the weird cat lady living at home by herself. You don't want to go there either. There's risk involved here. You've got to decide what risk you're willing to take. So as I said earlier, you have to give up the moral high ground. You can't be the victim forever. At some point, man up, take responsibility for what you did. You've got to give up the pride that says, I'm not willing to admit I did anything wrong. That's not going to help. And you have to give up your posse. Scripture is very clear, and it talks about the works of the flesh, and it talks about things that we should not do, you know, put these things off, put these things to death. The works of the flesh are obvious. Those are the introductory lines to these lists of behaviors that Paul says you shouldn't be involved in that. And when he talks about the works of the flesh, he says that the works of the flesh are obvious, and we're really good on the first couple, because the first one is idolatry, and we're going, oh, I got no carved things at home. I'm not bowing down in front of any sticks. You know, oh, I'm good on that one. And then we get to adultery or immorality, and we're going, oh, no, 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 you know, I might have had a problem with that before, but I'm, I'm okay there. What we have less success with are some of the things farther down in the list, and he talks about dissensions and factions, and dissensions and factions are when you experience a hurt, and you begin to develop a posse. Hey, do you know what this person did to me? Do you know how they treated me? Don't you agree with me? That was the wrong thing for them to do. I think you should be on my team, and we usually don't say that, right straightforward. We're just making the appeal. You should be on my team, and you should join me, and we should together be mad at them for what they did to me. And we develop a posse. If you're not willing to give up the high ground, I I love what one old lady said, the problem with riding around on that high horse is it's a long ways to the ground when you fall off. You know, some of you need to get off your high horse. Some of you need to quit giving, you know, give up that moral high ground and quit saying, I'm the victim. You need to give up the pride that says, I won't admit that I made a mistake, and you need to give up your posse and decide that you're going to be willing to reconcile. Then the next thing after decide is to discuss. And again, it's, that's the first, first word in a sentence, that we need to be able to discuss what has happened with soft attitudes. I love that, with soft attitudes. So that's kind of a funny word that, uh, that people that work in this area would use, but it's, it's something that I think we recognize, because in Proverbs 15, it says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So the tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. 
we have to be willing to use soft attitudes. We have to be willing to have soft words. It's entirely possible. Now, and I know this is going to sound completely un-American because we don't see it happening anywhere right now. It is entirely possible for you to express your opinion and not do it in angry, condemning, and ridiculing ways. It is entirely possible to do that. In spite of everything you see on Twitter and Facebook and all the different news feeds, it is possible to say, this is my opinion about this issue, and I'm going to choose to express it, not with arrogance and anger and saying that everybody who disagrees with me is stupid. I'm going to say this is my best perspective on this issue. You can do it with gentle words. It's even possible to take responsibility for yourself and use I statements instead of you statements. Because it's never true when you say, you made me do that. That's not true. No one makes you do anything. You choose to do what you choose to do. You choose to think what you choose to think. You choose to believe what you choose to believe. And you even choose to feel what you choose to feel. Nobody's making you do that. You experience something, you have a reaction, and it is immediately upon you to decide, is this reaction appropriate? Is it overblown? Is it, is, should I respond to this situation? Should I just move on? And just You immediately have decisions to make about how you respond. Nobody's making you do that. And to be able to walk into a situation and discuss with soft attitudes and say, here, I'm not talking about what you did, and I'm not saying you made this happen. I'm saying I, I struggle in these situations. I don't struggle in this situation just because you did this. I struggle in these situations all of the time. Now, maybe because you are so important in my life, it makes it harder when it comes from you, but the reality is this is on me. My reaction is on me. We take ownership of it, and we begin to discuss with soft attitudes. And what's interesting, because that first verse is pretty commonly quoted, a gentle answer turns away wrath and harsh words stir up anger. But the next verse, Proverbs 15, 1 and 2, a tongue of the wise commends knowledge. What it literally means is that the tongue of, of the wise makes knowledge acceptable. By how we say what we say, we can make it acceptable, we can make it easy to be understood, or we can force the conflict by saying things that are argumentative and condemning towards other people. So we need to be able to discuss with soft attitudes. The wise person finds a way to help his opponent understand his point of view. The informed fool just tries to shout the other person down. And that's what we see modeled for us. From the highest office in the land all the way down through our culture is we see what the Bible would call fools who are simply trying to shout their opponent down instead of the wise who are making information and knowledge acceptable. Well, what's the next thing? The next D in all of our list is that you have to, this thing's flopping around here, detoxify. You have to detoxify the relationship. Proverbs 18 says, an offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city, and disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. I mean, because we have memories and because we have emotions connected to those memories, there needs to be specific care to pulling the toxins out of those memories and emotions 
out of the possibility of a current and future relationship. And as much as we'd like to say the past is the past, the reality is that for many people in many situations, the past is anything but the past. It is the definition of their present. This happened back here. It was 10 minutes ago. It was 10 months ago. It was 10 years ago. This thing happened back here, and it continues to define how I think, how I feel, how I treat people, how I react, and how I respond, and how I view myself. The past is not the past. And we have to deliberately say, I am going to do the work necessary to detoxify the current relationship. I'm going to pull the past out of this so that we can move forward. I have a whole section in here that you're not willing to, for me to take long enough to talk about that you need to go online, find the care group notes that are online, and you need to walk through. There are four steps, five steps, by which an offended brother becomes that citadel that is talked about in Proverbs, you need to see the steps about how that happens, and then you need to understand that it is the reverse of those that leads you to detoxification. So, don't have time to talk about it. Go online, you'll find it, and you can work your way through it. Then the last thing that happens after you detoxify the relationship is that you have to devote yourself to the relationship. You have to hang in there. Because it's going to be bumpy. It's going to be, be jumbled up. People's emotions are going to flare up. Somebody that in this process of building this bridge, somebody's going to say or do something that reminds you of what happened in the past. And you have to commit yourself to say, I am not going to immediately believe that what that person just said and did was ill-intended, was deliberately designed to hurt me, was a clear evidence that they haven't learned anything and they haven't figured it out yet. Remember, there's got to be some risk that you're willing to take. You have to devote yourself to rebuilding the relationship. Paul says it this way, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Christ is calling on us to make that effort. But even in these final stages of this process that began with forgiveness, we need to remember that empathy is going to be part of this. It's going to be part of the process. Because we can't just pretend that the events of real pain have taken place. We say, well, no, it didn't really happen. It's not that way. We have to fight for the empathy necessary to understand and respect the other person. So we glibly say things like hurt people hurt people. Abused people abuse people. Broken people do broken things. We say those kinds of statements kind of glibly, but sometimes we're not willing to extend the grace to someone that says, you know what? This person and a relationship with them requires more effort than the relationships with some other people. And it's because of how they've been beaten up in life and how they've been bruised and how things have been broken. And God is in the process of healing them and changing them, but they haven't got there yet. But hey, guess what? I haven't got there yet either. I, I, I will tell you, there was a, a point in my life when it like dawned on me that everybody who was my friend was paying a price to be my friend. I kind of thought it was a pretty decent guy, easy enough to get along with, just kind of thought, well, hey, you know, I, I have good friends, and people are good friends to me, and that's the way good people are. And I realized all of those good people that were my friends were putting up with all of my stuff. Every one of them. Every one of them. <laughs> get over yourself. You're not quite the blessing to everybody that you think you are. Your friends are putting up with you. 
but they're doing it because they have said, I value that person, I value a relationship with them, and so I will put up with them. Now, again, it's not the same as I'm going to be victimized by their abuse. No, I'm just going to put up with the fact that they're human. And God hasn't solved all their problems yet. But he hasn't solved all of my problems yet either. So let's do this work. <laughs> there was a phrase some people used to call, uh, used to put out, a, it's been several years since I heard it, but it was, it was called EGR, that some people are EGR, extra grace required. It's not that you can't be their friend. You just have to work a little harder at it. You just got to give them a little more grace. I mean, we all know those people, right? And we've all been that person. We can't get out of our own way. We're just stumbling over our own two feet. We're stumbling over our own emotions. We're stumbling over our own memories. We're stumbling over our own insecurities and our own fears. We've all been that person. We've all seen that person. And God is asking us to give grace to each other, to forgive as we have been forgiven, to love as we have been loved, to have the kind of love that keeps no record of wrongs. He's asking us to be those kind of people so that we can get along. Relationships require us to engage and commit. I've asked Kayla to come, and she's going to sing a song, and it talks a little bit about kind of how God has helped us in this whole process. And as she's singing this song, and as we kind of prepare to wrap up for our time today, I want you to think about some of the difficult relationships in your life. And here's the thing. I'm not saying that you have to do anything different, because you may look at a difficult relationship and say, you know what? I did what I needed to do. I did everything I could do. But it may be that as you look at that difficult relationship, you're going to look over here and go, you know what? I never did clear off my side of the bank. I'm still keeping records of wrongs. I'm still riding my high horse. I'm still being the victim. I still got the high moral ground. I'm still doing all this stuff over here. And then you're wondering why you can't reconcile. God may be calling you to go all the way back to forgiveness and clean up the bank. It may be that as you look at these processes here, and you may say, well, I kind of wondered about maybe reconciling, kind of sounded like a nice, I, I never decided to. I never decided to. I never committed to it. And when we tried to get back together, I didn't detoxify the relationship. I used that opportunity when we got back together to remind them of how bad they behaved last time. See, God may want to talk to you about some of those difficult relationships. So as Caleb kind of sings this song over us, I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit and to see what the Holy Spirit says about those difficult relationships. And then we're going to pray together. Were the word at the beginning One with God and the Lord most high
So in this song we've been singing, there's a, there's a really key phrase. It says, he didn't want heaven without us. He didn't want heaven without us. Reconciliation is going to happen when you decide, I don't want life without that person. And I will tell you, it is not a very Christian thing to say, I'm going to cast people aside. I don't need them. 1 Corinthians 11 speaks to that. He didn't want heaven without us. So yeah, my sin, my offense, how I treated him and treated the other people that he loves, my sin was great. What was greater? His love. Jesus chose to do all of those things that we talked about. And so God, we will take you as our example, for you have redeemed us that we might be conformed to the image of your son. We want to be like Jesus on this planet. So God, may we look at our lives and say, I don't want my life without that person. May we be willing to reach out. And yeah, their offense was great. Would our love be greater? So that we can reach out and make that connection and do what we need to do. And God, give us wisdom if there are times when it shouldn't be done, when we just need to back away because it's dangerous or there's a threat there. Give us the wisdom to know that. Boundaries are reasonable and appropriate. And at times there are things we can't handle and we need to protect ourselves from those things. But in the vast majority of the normal relationships of our lives, help us to decide, I don't want life without that person. Their sin was great, but love was greater. Help us to act like Jesus in those relationships. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you as you evaluate your relationships and work on those. Don't forget, attend one, serve one, parkwaycc.com forward slash people of Parkway. Let us know how you can help us start this new church. God bless you. We'll see you again online next Sunday. That's the end of another beautiful morning at Parkway Live. In the comments below, you'll find a link to where you can give online. We really do appreciate your continued giving and generosity during these times. And don't forget, you can find sermon notes and discussion questions to today's message online available for you. Also, if you're interested in getting more connected in new or different ways or joining a care group, now is the time. We have some pretty creative things that are coming up in different ways for you to get involved. So to find out more information about that, go back to our Parkway app, look for that digital connect card and fill it out and let us know that that's what you're thinking about. Thanks again, everyone, for logging on today and joining us. We really do enjoy getting to worship along with you from our homes. And we get to enjoy especially talking to you in all of the comments during Parkway Live. I hope you all have a great rest of your Sunday and a very blessed week. I'll see you next time.